Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of Podcasting the Elite, the podcast where we talk about the news and happenings around the world of all elite wrestling. First of all, kind of want to start with a little bit of an apology. Uh, things have been a little crazy around here the past week or so. Uh, family's been on a bit of vacation. We had some family in town too. And uh, so the last episode went up a little late and this episode is getting recorded a little later than I wanted it to. Uh, so yeah. Hopefully they're going to be, this will be the second episode out this week, and then we'll have our next one for you on Monday as usual, and we'll see how that goes. Um, things are a little weird right now because they have the schedule of the what they're doing. So between the road to double or nothing and being the elite, uh, the road to double or nothing is being a little wonky. Uh, they were a, sh a show that was going out on Thursdays. So that made Friday ideal for recording because Friday would one, it's the end of the week. So just the entire week's worth of news we could just cover uh, and then release this on Monday, which is when being the elite goes live. And then last week they, or maybe two weeks ago, they did a thing where uh, they started doing road to double or nothing on Saturday. Uh, and the last two episodes were on Saturdays, but this weekend they did not have an episode. So I don't know when, the next road to double or nothing is going to go live, but we'll see. We're we're still tentatively gonna do Friday night recordings and uh, edit, try and edit over the weekend and get, push it out on Monday uh, to the podcast and to YouTube. So uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so that's kind of where things are in the air right now. Uh, some follow up from the last episode. I said I would look into Leva Bates and. Uh, as opposed to just Googling her live on the show, because that is a little bit of a disservice. So uh, did some looking into the career of Leva Bates, who was hired to be one of the two librarians that are currently hired to All Elite Wrestling. She is probably most notable to a lot of WWE fans uh, as an old school NXT person. Uh, she is known as Blue Pants. Uh, she actually was in NXT before I really started watching. I saw one match with blue pants in it. And it was at the time that Corey Graves was announcing for NXT and Corey Graves apparently hated blue pants, which was always a little comical, but it's, it is whatever. Right. So apparently her, her name in, uh, NXT comes from the fact that, uh, she had, in kind of her debut match, uh, she was a uh, enhancement talent for Carmella. And that was at the period of time where Carmella was running around with Enzo and Cass. So Enzo announced her as Blue Pants because that's what she was wearing at the time she made her debut. And then the name just kind of stuck, uh, which is kind of funny. Uh, she was trained by the Dudley Boys, uh, Devon and Bubba Ray, at the Team 3D Academy. Uh, starting around 2006-ish, maybe a little before that. Um, she d did a lot of wrestling in the southeastern U.S., uh, had held tag championships in both uh, promotions, Shimmer and the other one, Shine, which they sound like they go together. It actually sounds like a kid's show that I think my daughter would love, but <laughs> I don't know if it actually exists, but it sounds like one that should exist. So yeah, she's held a handful of championships for like little small regional indies. 
Uh, she actually originally debuted for WWE as one of Adam Rose's Rhodes buds uh, for when that era was around. That was before I started watching again. So yeah, that is whatever that is, right? Uh, and then she has done work for various times for uh, TNA and Impact uh, because she's a student of the Dudley Boys and they were big in uh, TNA and Impact for a really long time. So let's cast our minds back to the last Double or Nothing, which was Cody Rhodes's response to Dustin Runnels, or Dustin Rhodes, as uh, he is referred to on wrestling in All Elite Wrestling. And holy crap, this was, I think, probably the best promo I've heard in ages. Like, I don't... It, it had that, that ring of truth that you want from one of these promos. And it's because I think he was letting loose a lot of the... It it has that, what people refer to, it like when CM Punk did his what is referred to as the pipe bomb promo, uh, where he just sat down and vented his frustrations at uh, the WWE. Uh, and this really felt like this was Cody's pipe bomb, so to speak. Um, he <laughs> responded to Triple H basically in, in this, um, referring to, uh, Triple H called AEW basically a bunch of piss ants at the Hall of Fame ceremony when, uh, Degeneration X was being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And this is four minutes of probably the best promo you're going to hear for years to come at this point um so definitely go watch it if you haven't already there's some good hints in here of him being kind of the jealous younger brother where you know cody uh you know went to shows when dustin was a kid or when he was a kid when dustin was wrestling and he talks about how all the girls loved him and everyone you know looked at him looked up to to Dustin and then he starts going a little darker and he starts talking about how it's not going to be a match that's brother versus brother it's it's generation versus generation like Dustin represents the attitude era and Cody wants to kill the attitude eras his exact words you know again goes on the scathing rant about how like yeah the attitude era was great and all that but it, the Attitude Era is what is holding back modern wrestling because the people who were there in the Attitude Era don't want to be outshone by modern talent. So they do all of these things to hinder them and hamper the ability of the industry to progress. Uh, and it's uh, it's fantastic. It's, it's kind of the frustration that all, I think, almost all fans feel when it comes to the product uh, that that WWE has been putting out lately. Um, he also had this really great line at the end uh, where Cody says, I am the least Rhodes of the Rhodes, which I thought was just a great line about how he's, you know, he's not nostalgic, basically. So I think kind of how it comes across to me. He doesn't have this nostalgia for the business. He's not interested in, in holding up the past. Like he wants to, things to progress he wants to move forward and this is something that's standing in his way and ah oh, beautiful ending and 
super, seems super emotional, seems super real, which I think is one of the many things that makes it so great. So please do go take four minutes out of your day to watch it. If you've watched it, go take four minutes out of your day to watch it again. Like it's that good, man, complete fire. It's fantastic. Being the elite had a, had a hard time following that, but it's a, it was a super good episode. It pretty solid. It advances a bunch of storylines. Um, like I mentioned before, the fact that there are two librarians, so two different fans go up to one goes up to I think first Peter Avalon and congratulates him on landing the part of the librarian, and uh, you know basically he's like, man, you know it's it's crazy that there are two of you, and Peter Avalon's like, wait, what? There are two of us, and then uh, someone goes up to Leva Bates and basically says the same thing, like you know, oh, congratulations again getting getting the part of the librarian. It's really weird that there are two of you and you know I don't, I don't get it but you know whatever congratulations it's kind of funny one of the things that amused me the most about this one was the fact that uh for some reason scorpio sky and uh kazarian weren't there so christopher daniels was doing the su uh this town sucks bit that uh he normally does with them but instead of having those two it was kylie ray and penelope ford and uh, they totally just ruin the whole bit because they don't like Southern California, but they like the area of the country that they're in. And they think it's great. And and Penelope Ford talks about going back to Philadelphia because Philadelphia is awesome. And Christopher Daniels is, gets like so pissed off. He's like, no. And it's oh, it was, that made me laugh probably harder than anything else in this episode. Got to see some footage of Cody and Brandy and Hangman going to the... Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars facilities, uh, specifically Daly's place, which is where Fight for the Fallen is going to happen. Um, and they're they're there playing around on the practice field that's there. Um, and they basically were there for draft night for the NFL that just happened recently, and uh, there to help celebrate 25 years of the Jacksonville Jaguars being a team in the NFL, which is crazy that it's actually been that long. Because I remember a time before the Jaguars existed because I'm an old fart. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was just kind of cool to see that little behind the scenes bit. It's always kind of interesting when they show that behind the scenes stuff. The two bits of news that really came out of this episode. Um, one of them is uh, there's a one point where Kenny is on the phone and I, I use phone in air quotes because for some reason for like the past couple of months, uh, Kenny has used like an iPad mini as a, t- as a, he actually, I think, referred to it in uh, the episode before this one as a landline, which makes it even funnier. Just, you know, Kenny being weird for the sake of being weird. But he was on the phone with, eventually he called him, I think, Mr. Amel, um, which means it's the, you know, actor who plays the Arrow, who Stephen Amel. Because uh, I think he asked if he can call him Steve-O or something like that, and basically gets told no. But he's talking about Fighter Fest with Stephen Amel. So it's interesting because I don't know... I haven't seen an announcement that Stephen Amell is going to be at Fighter Fest, but it makes sense that he would be, um, especially since he's kind of got this tie-in with All Elite. So that'll be interesting if we see something a little more concrete come out of that, um, other than just you know some teasing. And then the other big thing that happened is that at the very end, Trent Beretta, I think his name is, um, one of the two members of the best friends calls the young bucks and the young bucks are like what the hell Who, what is you know trent calling us for uh and they answer the phone and trent's like hey man you know we're only a couple weeks away from uh double or nothing 
and we haven't heard anything about a match. You know, what are we going to, what, what are we doing? And uh, the Young Bucks are like, oh, shit. Did we forget to book the best friends in a match for double or nothing? And then they're like, oh, yeah, I got it. And so they chuck them in the over-the-budget battle royal. And uh definitely looks like it's setting up some animosity between the teams since both Trent uh, and Chuck are pissed about being in the battle royal again. And uh, Chuck even says at the end, basically, uh, says, ain't, ain't no way I'm doing the battle royal. Um, so... It'll be interesting to see what kind of future plot line spins out of that because you know it's going to. Uh, and maybe, maybe the best friends cost the Young Bucks their AAA titles against uh, the Lucha Bros. So who knows? Who knows if that's if that that's in the cards, so to speak, right? Um, that'll be interesting. So yeah, no new matches for double or nothing but since things gotta you know tighten up here in the next week or two um as as it very very quickly approaches i think we're three weeks out at this point in time so yeah it's that's crazy and super excited and looking forward to it um don't know anything more about fighter fest uh again still only have those three three matches announced uh, fight for the fallen i'm willing to bet it's sold out i haven't actually checked in a while because uh, there were only like a hundred and something tickets left uh, a couple of weeks ago when i looked so i, I expect it to fundamentally be sold out it was only like five thousand tickets or something like that but only 1100 went to, on sale to the uh, general public after the pre-sale so that's that's a you know again a good sign because that's not a huge match there's not a whole bunch of stuff announced for it but it's definitely a good sign that uh they've you know, sold out two event their first two events uh and that's without any kind of big tv deal or anything announced uh and hopefully they get one of those soon um so yeah let's dig in to the production staff and the backstage staff of all elite wrestling that we know so far so there's some of this comes from PW Insider. There's a couple of them that have been announced through them uh, that they have been signed. Uh, some of them have been official announcements. Some of them have just kind of, you know, trickled out there over time. But these are the people that I know so far are connected with All Elite Wrestling in in backstage and other non-ring roles. So like production staff and stuff like that. And the reason it's interesting to know these things is to kind of know what we can expect from both, you know, kind of an announcing and production standpoint and, uh, how the, like how the show is going to look, how the show is going to feel, what, what we can kind of expect from matches and storylines and stuff. Right. So the first person to talk about is one of the first people that was announced. So the announcing crew. So we'll, we'll talk about the announcing crew first. Um, the commentary crew, the first person announced is this guy named Alex uh, Marvez, who is a former NFL analyst. Uh, and he actually did like, I think 20 years of NFL analysis stuff uh, to the point that he has a hall of fame vote, um, which is, you know, usually a pretty big step in someone's career when they've been covering the sport for long enough that they get, they actually get a legit hall of fame vote. And he's been a longtime friend and associate of Tony Khan. So it's kind of like a shoe in that he, you know, is doing commentary for this. So that's interesting because it brings 
kind of that real sport feel, um, which, uh, as part of this three person team is going to be interesting. Um, and it does look like right now that it's going to be a three person team. Uh, person number two would be Excalibur who had, he was did announcing at the original all in. Um, he's a former pro wrestler who retired, uh, because he was afraid of the fact that he had been having repetitive concussions and, was scared that it was going to adversely affect his brain for the rest of his life and possibly like, you know, cripple him and cause all manner of the, you know, degenerative brain mental illness issues that a lot of people have. And I do not blame him one bit. Um, Amusingly, he's uh, one of the founders of pro wrestling gorilla, which is a, I think a California based promotion that does a bunch of crazy stuff and, they have an event every year that is usually touted as one of the must-see events of, you know, wrestling, which is uh, the Battle of Los Angeles, uh, which definitely has some crazy, crazy stuff in it. And then the third one is, as we know, Jim Ross, uh, who it it's hard to not know who Jim Ross is at this point. He is, you know, a legend of the Attitude Era. He worked for WCW prior to WWE in the Attitude Area, area Attitude Era. So he's right now he's slated to to do calling for all in. Uh, the other thing he is doing is he's listed as being a senior advisor. So he, the quote that I've heard is that he will work closely with senior leaders at AEW on their roadmap to shift and reinvent the wrestling landscape, which sounds like a PR statement. <laughs> so. I mean, he's got tons of experience. Everyone knows who Jim Ross is. Everyone in the business respects Jim Ross. He's a massive asset. And Vince is probably going to end up kicking himself down the road because of it. Because of the fact that he got away. Even though he might think he's you know old and he can't do the commentary job anymore. Which is why he hasn't been doing commentary for WWE. I think you know, he's absolute asset. And he's going to be... You know, theoretically someone who bridges a gap for AEW all over the place. And I don't think that can, the amount of knowledge that that man has of the business and as long as he's been around and for as many as promotions as he's worked with, like, I'm pretty sure he's going to be an invaluable resource. But yeah, so that's, there's your three-person booth. Uh, Alex Marvez being the uh, legit straight guy. Um Excalibur doing color commentary and Jim Ross being Jim Ross. Um, I would not be surprised if when they do like an actual TV show, when they, when they actually lock up their TV deal, if uh, the weekly TV show is just Alex Marvez and Excalibur and Jim Ross only does bigger events or important matches or, you know, something like that. Like if he's not a full-time commentary guy, uh, but only does, you know, pay-per-views or whatever. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, they have an, a backstage interviewer whose name is Alicia. And I'm probably going to butcher this, but it looks like a tout. Um, she used to work for Impact Wrestling. I don't know. I've never, like, I've never been a big Impact Wrestling person. I've watched random matches here and there, but never followed it. So I have no idea how to pronounce her name. And I sincerely apologize if I butchered it. But the way it looks to me... Looks Alicia, looks a tout. So that's how I would say it. 
So please let me know if I'm wrong, and I will happily say it correctly. <laughs> uh, then we know the ring announcer is Justin Roberts. We've talked to him, uh, talked about him a little bit on the show before because of uh, his shenanigans, where he has been running around the AEW offices just announcing people's names at random. Um, he worked as an announcer for uh, ring announcer for WWE from. 2002 to 2014 uh started out on smackdown and eventually became the full-time touring uh raw live event announcer uh, and even did uh weekly ecw shows when they were on sci-fi after wwe bought them uh, up until december of 2007 apparently uh he did a autobiography about his time in the wrestling business and apparently it's uh pretty crazy and it's part of what stemmed up the whole uh thing with uh john bradshaw layfield or whatever the crap his name is uh and like the allegations of him bullying like kind of spawned from that book if you remember that a couple of years ago uh, so the book is called best seat in the house and I'm actually going to link in the show notes an interview that I remember uh, listening to from him uh, where he was on the Simon Miller Pro Wrestling Podcast uh, promoting that book. And it's, in my opinion, totally worth listening to. It was a very interesting interview. It had some really great stories in it. Um, so, yeah, highly recommend that. And then the last member of the announcing commentary team, the, the voice people, is... Uh, Hugo Savinovich is how I would pronounce it. He's a Spanish commentator, so I don't know if Savinovich is correct, but it it's spelled Savinovich, so I'm going to say Savinovich. But so he's a former wrestler and began his commentary career in 1984, so four years after I was born. To show you how old or dirt I am, uh, for the World Wrestling Council. Uh, and he was a member of the Spanish announce team for the WWF slash WWE beginning in 94 alongside Carlos Cabrera, which I've, that name has been around forever. He left the WWE in 2011. Uh, he also did uh, for Lucha Underground. They did, in, at least in the first season, they had they shot all the commentary stuff twice because um, they had the... English announced team, which was uh, Matt Stryker, I think, and Vampiro. And then they had the Spanish commentary team, which was Hugo and Vampiro. So that's kind of an interesting, weird little tidbit. Um, yeah. So then we get into the producer group. Um, so it looks like there are maybe four guys, five guys. I don't know. Um, so you have Billy Gunn, who almost everyone would probably know from the New Age Outlaws and Degeneration X in WWE. Um, he's been a uh, he's worked with TNA, he's worked with WWE, he's done New Japan. He's a Hall of Famer as part of DX. He's been in the business since '85, so he's been around forever. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Most people are familiar with who he is. He was Mr. Ass. Uh, as 
amusing as that is in the Attitude Era, which I'm sure made Cody's promo even funnier because he's one of the Attitude Era guys that Cody threw under the bus, basically. All right, up next, we have BJ Whitmer, who is one of the guys that's... There's a few of these guys that are kind of hard to find any real information on. So Whitmer uh, was a wrestler and backstage producer for Ring of Honor. Um, and his first match back in Ring of Honor, in, uh, or first big match, I should say, uh, was in 2003 against CM Punk, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Like, uh, And he trained wrestlers for Ring of Honor for at the Baltimore Dojo is how they referred to it. So you know, he has experience producing. He has experience training wrestlers. So that's going to be good. Um, and that's one of the things I hope. I hope they have basically the people who are on the roster are you know, not only are they, you know, doing their indie dates or whatever, but they're training together and they're, they're at a facility somewhere and they're working out the, one of the kinks of the matches and like an overall performance aesthetic. Cause like, I don't know, that's one of the things that WWE for all their foibles, they do right. They have like a kind of a consistency and part of that is based on having you know what would essentially be like a design document of like this is what a wwe production should be like and these are what the story the you know kind of the base basic overview of like this is what a story should do this is you know this is how our fonts should look like most movies and tv shows and stuff have like a production bible and like i'm wondering how much of that aew is producing and that, that i don't know just me rambling a little bit and speaking of former backstage guys at Ring of Honor, we have Jeff Jones, who is super hard to find out anything about. Apparently, he was a ECW original, according to his Twitter profile. Um, and he worked backstage at Ring of Honor, and that's about all I know. Is like those two things. He worked backstage at Ring of Honor, and he is an ECW original. I don't recognize the name, so I don't think he wrestled for ECW. Uh, but my ECW knowledge is not massively extensive. So take that for what it is. Uh, and then this is the more interesting. So there's, this is according to PW Insider. He's supposed to, this guy is supposed to be head of production for All Elite Wrestling. And his name is Keith Mitchell. The reason this is interesting is what little I could find out about him is that he originally was, quote, the producer for WCW Monday Nitro. Uh, and he shaped the way people watched WCW. Like he did all, a lot of their pay-per-views. He did their weekly television show. And then he's also produced Impact Wrestling for a while. So the guy knows how to run a show. He knows how to make it look like he is basically the Kevin Dunn of WCW. Um and the amusing story is that allegedly back in the day, he was passed up for uh, when they were trying to find a new president for WCW. Uh, and the person that he got passed up in favor of was Eric Bischoff. So kind of crazy how close things could have been to something like completely different back in the day during the Monday Night Wars if he had been bumped up to president instead of Bischoff and Bischoff had stayed an announcer kind of just crazy wooden should have been right uh but yeah so that's kind of cool that he they have this huge lineage on their production team and uh 
very interested to see how that pans out for them. Um, someone we've seen in a lot of episodes of Being the Elite and Road to Double or Nothing is uh, Michael Kalari. And we he's been the butt of a joke for uh, <laughs> Justin Roberts. Um, and he used to wrestle for Ring of Honor and NXT. And he's trained wrestlers for Ring of Honor. And he owns a gym called the one fall power factory, uh, which is used to train ring of honor guys. Um, and he's worked, uh, he's supposed to work with AEW as a coordinator. Uh, and then I also have a little note that he basically just sits around and eats apples and gets harassed by Justin Roberts, because that's most of what we have seen from him so far. (laughs) Um, then we get to miscellaneous people. So there's a lot of people. I don't know. This guy, like, I don't know what he's going to do. Like, I don't know what this title means. Uh, so his name is Chris Harrington, and he is the vice president of business strategy for All Elite Wrestling. What I do know about him is he has a website, which I will try to remember to link uh it's indeed wrestling.blogspot.com and it's called pro wrestling analytics and i mean it's literally crazy a statistical analytics of pro wrestling um no idea anything else about the dude other than what's on that site basically uh he's been a f- friend I think of Tony Khan and we know Tony Khan is like his whole career has been sports analysis and like running numbers and stuff like that for the Jacksonville Jaguars so this guy seems right up Tony Khan's alley I don't know how he's going to be utilized I don't know what his role is going to be I don't know what a vice president of business strategy is um but He seems like he's going to be a really good asset. So hopefully he does whatever he's going to do well. (laughs) And then we further miscellaneous people. We have Dana Massey, who is the chief merchandise officer. Um, If you're unfamiliar with Dana Massey, she is Mrs. Matt Jackson. um, And she has done all of the Young Bucks merch. And if you know anything about the Young Bucks merch, the Young Bucks merch has absolutely destroyed things. Like, they have some of the best-selling merch in the business. They have made more money off of their merch than the WWE can offer them. Um, They've gotten their own products into Hot Topic. They've gotten deals with Funko Pop. They're the first independent wrestlers to have Funko Pop vinyls made of themselves, uh, which is, you know, again, kind of a crazy thing. They're basically the first independent wrestlers to get their shirts and stuff into Hot Topic and other retail stores like that. Just nuts. And, you know, she's got a brain for the designing and she's going to be making people shirts and stuff. And it's going to be fantastic, I'm sure. And it's going to make WWE is going to have to step up their game, which is going to be also kind of fantastic. All competition is good competition, right? Then we have Mr. Tony Khan. He's the president and CEO of All Elite Wrestling. 
we know kind of what we know from interviews that he is he's a sports analyst for his dad who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars um he's been a lifelong wrestling fanatic used to do tape trading back in the day when he was younger uh had his dad for his birthday take him to ECW events which is you know kind of hilarious <laughs> but yeah he's got a passion for the sport and the business know how to kind of make it happen and he is the kind of brains behind this whole operation and if he can make it turn a profit with the money that they have behind them like they could do a lot of really good stuff so it's going to be interesting to see where they take it um yeah so that's that's the main bulk of it uh so now some a couple of interesting things they've shown two different seamstresses um helping people design outfits and stuff for the double or nothing pay-per-view and a road to double or nothing and i don't know if any of them have been in and i don't know if any of them have been in being the elite but uh there's a woman named sandra gray and another one named denise cutler um and they have been helping people design costumes so i don't know if they're actually on staff or if they were just you know contracted in to to work on cody's outfit and a couple other people's uh alleys i think was one of the other ones they showed working with them but who knows and then the last thing that I've seen connected to it is a band called Downstate, uh, D-O-W-N-S-T-A-I-T, uh, and they've been listed, or they're listed on Wikipedia as the official band of AEW. Uh, I, I don't know if that is the case. Uh, I haven't seen any listings of it or anything like that, but they've done a bunch of work in wrestling uh with other people's entrance stuff and you'll see by the end that there is kind of a connection to all elite wrestling and why I think this might actually have some credibility. Uh, so he did two different theme songs for Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I am perfection and his current one here to show the world. Uh, he did Alex Riley's, uh, theme song, say it to my face. Uh, he, they did, I came to play for the Miz radio for Zack Ryder and an instrumental version of one of their songs is used for the Seth Rollins uh, intro song called The Second Coming uh, which is kind of his burn it down weird metal double kick crazy song and then the two that are really connected with All Elite Wrestling are he did the song kingdom or he i say he but it's really it's a like a full band so they did the song kingdom which is the music that cody has been using on the indie scene since he left wwe so that that song that you hear for cody is this band downstate uh, and then the other thing they did was the theme song to All In. So don't be surprised if you hear an official theme song for Double or Nothing here in the next few weeks. And that theme song is going to be done by this band. Um, we'll see. A lot of the, all those songs that, I, that I've mentioned so far, uh, except for The Second Coming, are available on Spotify. 
uh, but there's the song that is Second Coming is available on Spotify. Uh, it is called Redesign, Rebuild, Reclaim. And that was the one that like a instrumental version of it got turned into that song. The Second Coming. That's the name of that song. It's The Second Coming. Uh, and then as a last little aside before we leave, uh, I'm going to pose one more person as a potential backstage person and we've talked about him before and that is the now infamous Michael Nakazawa Um, and the reason I think he is going to be a big backstage person is that he has a lot of connections with Japan and Japanese wrestlers in general Um, and Kenny Omega has expressed a desire to enter a working relationship with a Japanese promotion called DDT, like kind of the same way that they've done, uh, what is it, OWE or whatever they're called, Um, the Chinese company that uh, Shima is a part of. Uh, But Michael Nakazawa has been a part of DDT forever, uh, and apparently he knows like everyone in Japan And so he could be their like Japanese talent relations guy and function as kind of a translator for the company as like a liaison between AEW as a North American promotion and Japanese talent, which they have a lot. Like there's a lot of Japanese talent signed to the roster between Shima and Asia Kong and a couple of the other women and, uh, you know, all of this stuff. Um, So Michael Nagazawa is not massively out of place so it'll be interesting to see what if any role he does later other than just being like this funny joke that was kind of poised as everyone thinking it was going to be Kota Ibushi and really it was Michael Nagazawa and now you've got Matt Jackson freaking out over Michael Nagazawa constantly and being the elite which in my opinion is one of the best jokes on the show right now so that's kind of the week wrapped up um I am going to get this out as quickly as we possibly can to the live feed. Uh, And then we're going to be recording another episode this Friday, hopefully around 1030 Eastern at twitch.tv slash podcasting the elite. If you want to get in touch with the show, uh, you can email the show at podcasting the elite at gmail.com. Uh, Our show is available on anchor.fm slash PTE. You can download the Anchor app and actually send us a voicemail. And if it is suitable for airing, we will air it live on the show and I will respond and talk about it. Um, So, yeah, feel free to kind of come and join us on Friday. And the more you guys communicate with the show, the more interactive we can make it. And I think the more fun it can be in the long run. Um, One of my goals down the road is to develop a way for people to actually like kind of call in live and you know just do live bsing about all elite wrestling and the product and stuff like that down the road so that could be a lot of fun um so hopefully you guys are interested in that and you will come hang out and uh join me in this crazy experiment so we are putting these episodes up on youtube you will find a link to that in the show notes because we can't name a youtube url apparently until you have like 50 million people subscribe to you so it's a big jumbled mess so i will have the link in the show notes um i'll also put it on the twitch channel because 
I should have it on the Twitch channel. Uh, I need to actually clean that up a little bit. So hopefully that'll be done by the time this goes live and you come hang out on Friday. Um, if you want to hang out with me on my personal gaming streams when I play in BS, which is usually right now Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights uh, in the U.S. starting around 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, you can find me at twitchtv.chopthevikings. And you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash shop the Viking. Um, I'm also debating on starting up a podcasting the elite Twitter account uh, and basically just following all of the people that are connected to all elite wrestling. Uh, just kind of make it easier for people to track down the all elite people. So yeah, that, that might be something that exists by the time this goes live. And if it is, I will include that in the show notes for you. So thank you for joining me tonight. And I will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one.